Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Welcome to Spirit of Adoption Radio, where we soar above all the darkness of this world and see things in the light of God's eternal perspective. Now, here's your hosts, Kevin and Tabitha Lavelle. Shalom. We're so thankful and blessed that you would choose to join us today for episode number 78 of Spirit of Adoption Radio. I'm Kevin, and with me as always is my dear wife, Tabitha. How are you today, Svia? I'm doing great. This song brings back so many great memories. Amen. I feel like going to Africa? Yes, definitely. Hallelujah. I would love to go back. If you're ready to go with Jesus anywhere. Mm, yeah. That might be somewhere he takes you. Mm-hmm. Amen. So on today's show, we want to talk about something we need in time of need. Mm. It's the grace of God. Yeah, definitely. Amen? And just yesterday, I experienced the Lord giving me more grace for something I was going through. And I couldn't help but think about his servants around the world who are suffering for their faith in Jesus and how they need more grace too, more than I do. Mm. And I found myself praying for them that they would have the grace that I was experiencing, but like 10 times more Mm. because they're going through things that are 10 times worse than what I'm going through. Mm. So that was my prayer. My heart was being stirred by the Lord. And I began to just worship the Lord for how gracious he is towards us. Mm. Psalm 145, 17 to 18 says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Amen. And James 4, 6 says, he gives more grace. There's more grace that he has to give. Mm. Amen. Yes. Because John 1, 14 says, Jesus is full of grace. Yes. Amen. It doesn't run out. You know, sometimes our strength runs out, but his grace never runs out. Amen. So the Lord is full of grace, and he gives grace to everyone and anyone who humbles themselves and truly calls upon him. Amen. Because Romans 10, 12 says, the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Mm. And he's rich in grace. Grace is when we get something we don't deserve, right? Mm, Yes. And so I like the acronym. There's an acronym somebody has made up for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Mm. It's because of what he went through for us, that we can have the grace of God in our life. He is the grace of God. He made the way for us to have more grace. It's at his expense. 
the riches. Remember, he's rich to all who call upon him. Hmm. I've never heard that. I love that. Never heard that before? No, that's so funny because (laughs) it seems like I probably should have, but I haven't. So he's gracious to all, but especially towards his children who call upon him in their time of need. Mm, Amen. So that's encouragement to anyone who's not one of God's children. You need to become one of his children. Yes, that's right. So you can have that grace. That's right. That Mm. extra grace in your life. And this is exactly what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 is speaking about. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The us and the we are the children of God. Right. We are the ones who have God as our father. Mm. And so we have a, a special grace in our life. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Yes. But notice it says in time of need. So a more literal way that we could say this might be grace for a well-timed help. Mm. So in that time where you really need help. Yeah, he's right on time. Grace for what we need, when we need it. Grace that's perfectly timed, just like you said, Mm. and perfectly fit for the right time. (laughs) You see? That's right. And so the grace of God is grace not for tomorrow. It's for today. You know, speaking of grace being right on time, Mm. it reminds me of the story with Corey Ten Boom. And when she was a young girl, she had witnessed the death of a little baby, and she was just confronted face on with the fragile nature of life. And she was really shook up, and she had burst into tears and just, you know, kind of grabbed a hold of her dad and said, I need you. You can't die. You just can't die. And the dad was seeking to comfort and counsel his frightened daughter. And so Corey's father sat down beside her and he gently said, you know, Corey, when you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you the ticket? She said, Mm. why, just before we get on the train, daddy. Mm. Exactly. And our wise father in heaven knows when we are going to need things too. Don't run ahead of him, Corey. When the time comes that some of us will have to die, you'll look into your heart and find the strength that you need just in time. The grace. Just the grace. In time. Yes. That's right. That's what he's talking about. Exactly. God will give you that grace right when you need it, Corey. Don't mm. step ahead of him. And she experienced that later in yeah. the concentration camp. Her father died in the concentration camp. So she shared later how this worked in her heart. Yes. How at that time when she really needed the grace of God. The Lord gave it to her. Mm, Yes. And it was sufficient for her. And then supernaturally, through a clerical error, she was let out of the concentration camp. Right. And she It wasn't just an error. It was miraculous. Right. It was the hand of God. It was his grace that she needed right right on time. Amen. Yeah, I just love that testimony of Corey's. And I love what her father told her. Mm. Because that is how the Lord gives that grace in time of need. Yes just on time. Yeah. And so now we are going to play a couple powerful audio clips of our brethren who are experiencing the grace of God in Nigeria. And they need us to join with them in prayer that they might have more grace Mm -hmm. because our brethren, especially in the North, are being attacked. Yes. Mm -hmm. Without warning, their village will be attacked and they have these times of need Mm -hmm. where they need the grace of God. Wow. They need more grace. And I know the Lord's giving it, but the Lord has led me, especially with Brother Matthew, who's going to be going to Nigeria. Mm. Um, The Lord has just stirred my heart for the people of Nigeria, our brothers and sisters there. 
Yes. And so I've put together a couple audio clips. So I'm going to play these audio clips now. And I hope there'll be a blessing and encouragement and a conviction to all of our hearts that we too would grow in grace and be ready for whatever the Lord may call us to go through, just as our brethren are in Nigeria. Mm. Yes. Amen. Amen. When it's now come to a point where the knife came close to my neck and I realized that really this is happening for real, I began praying in my heart. I said, Lord, forgive me for all I have done. In 2012, this Nigerian Christian family was attacked by the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram. That day we were in our house together with my children in the evening around 7 o'clock. I opened the window and I saw people coming and jumping out from the fence with weapons. They were all having knives, shouting, banging doors. They told my boys to lie down on the floor. Later, I saw them bringing my husband inside. They uh, tied them, them like this at the back. My husband said, what do you want from me? They answered and said, today is your day, tomorrow is not yours. So when I heard this, I started praying. I said, God, I don't want to deal with you. Please help me, Lord. I started praying. They started uh, with my dad, and uh, I heard him praying. Then they slaughtered him there. The next, it was me. I began praying the Lord's prayers. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And Psalms 118, I shall not die but live. You know? And something surprisingly happened. The pain which I assumed I'm going to be feeling when I'm being slaughtered is not there. It's just this dizziness of too much loss of blood and I went unconscious. Miraculously, both Manga and Daniel survived the attack. After extensive surgeries and a month in the hospital, they were able to return home. At first, we were shy of this car. You know, it's something that attracts attention. But later, we, we came to realize it's a testimony. It's an evidence of the existence of God. This incident has affected my life in so many ways, but it has really increased my faith. No matter what the enemy will do against you, if your time has not yet come, there's nothing the enemy can do about it. Paul the Apostle said he suffered all this for Christ, but above all, he should count it all joy. This word kept pounding in my heart. I should count it all joy. But with this hatred of what these people did, count it all joy. But again, with the second chance God gave me, that joy had to exist. 
God is there. He loved you in spite of your challenges, your condition, whosoever you are. It's not for who you are, but God just loves you. By His grace, I am alive. That's why I'm singing. Jehovah saved my life. Violence has increased incredibly in northern Nigeria and beyond. To understand the violence, I want to introduce you to Afordia, whose husband was killed by Boko Haram in dramatic fashion. Is the violence more intense now than it was during your father's time? Yes, it's more intensive than in their own time. Did you live in a Christian community or was it a community of both Muslims and Christians? Uh, what was the nature of, of the city or the village in which you lived? I live in a community that where we have both Muslim and Christians are living together. Yes. And was, was it a peaceful community? Before the Boko Haram, it was a bit peaceful. But now, with the issue of Boko Haram, it is not as peaceful as, in fact, you, you rely on the Muslims that they can protect you or they will live peaceful with you. You are staying together, but deep down in their heart if any attack breaks forth like Boko Haram attacks the community, they will join them and fight you as Christians. That is how we are staying now. So their loyalty will be to Boko Haram under pressure is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. So in 2014, Boko Haram attacked your village, came into your city. Had it been there, had Boko Haram ever attacked before? No, there was no attack before. That was our first experience of the attack, that 2014. And when did you find out that they were in the village, in the city? It was just sudden. Just that morning, 2014, we do our normal work. I cook breakfast for my children, and their father helped me to feed them in the morning, and then we get them ready for their schools. And the father took them to the school, and I was telling the father that I will go uh, early to my place of work to screen out women for antenatal. Then 
He said, I said, I should, I want to go to the office very early, which he allowed me to go. And then he said his own would be eight o'clock. He will follow after. So that was how everything was normal. Every place was calm without any tension, without any rumor of anything. But suddenly the thing happens around nine o'clock that Boko Haram are coming into this town today, today. So we, I was busy with the women at the clinic. I don't know what was happening. But between that period, 9 o'clock to 10.30, there was no communication on cell phones. That was how the cell phone, the, the network ceased. And everybody was running. It is only when you see people running, then you, you ask and then you start finding where are your family members and then go and pick them and start running. So that was how I was in that condition. I was busy with the women. People are running, I don't know. Until 11 o'clock in the morning, the network was back. And that was when my husband found me on cell phone and informed me that I should leave the hospital and they run away from my life. Uh, does Boko Haram try to isolate the city by cutting off cellular communications and other communications to the outside world? Yes. That was what happened that day. They cut off the communication around our village. Yes. Do, uh, do you remember what feeling you had when you first saw people running at 10 o'clock, at 9 o'clock when you saw them begin to scatter and run through the city. What was the feeling? What did you first think was happening? Yes, during the time that I went out of the hospital, it was 11 o'clock. During that time, what I first see was all shops were closed. All people were running. And during that time, bomb blast started. There was bomb blast there are gunshots all over. And uh, most of the exit routes were blocked by the Boko Haram. So was there, was there panic in the street? There is. There is panic, great panic, great fear. In fact, uh, people were running, the cows and the people were intermingled because of the panic of the bomb blast and the, the gunshots. And how did you feel? Were you nervous? Yes, seriously nervous. I was afraid. I was scared. I have to go under people's roof to avoid the bomb blast, to avoid the gunshots. Hiding here to... Uh, try and reach my house for my children. Yeah. When did you connect with your husband? Tell us how you connected with him. He called you at 11 o'clock when the system came back yes. on. But then you found each yes. other. And what did you decide to do? He called me again. That time, the network was back again. And he said, I'm coming home. Where are you? I said, I am in the house also. Say, 
just wait for me there. I will come. You will see me shortly. So he was just close by uh, our our back, uh, the back of our house, and then he reached home. Immediately, we we took our credentials, that is, our certificates of our schools and the birth certificate of our children, and then put it inside box. We went out with the car. That is how we connected in the house. Now let's talk about the moments, the those mm. those moments where you came upon Boko Haram. Walk us through that experience. The moment I met with the Boko Haram, in fact, uh, initially I was thinking it was the Nigerian Army Forces because they were fully dressed in Nigerian army forces dress. I was uh, like, ah, bless the name of the Lord, the Nigerian armed forces have come to help us. Only that it was my husband that recognized them because when they put the uniform now, they will use another thing to tie their head. And then my husband said, these ones are not Boko Haram. Um, these ones are not Nigerian army. They are Boko Harams. And how did you know? Then that was when my heart was afraid. What did they ask you? Uh, during the time they stopped me, my husband first came out of the car. And then I followed. Then... The two of us were just standing near them. They were more than, I, I think they were five, precise, they were five. And they started asking my husband, are you an infidel or a Muslim? So they, they took Christians to be an infidel. But my husband now said, no, I'm not an infidel. I'm a Christian. I'm neither an infidel nor a Muslim, but I'm a Christian. That was how he answered them. And so then what, what happened next? Yes. The next thing, they asked him to turn to the left side of the road. And immediately when he went to the left side, I was standing. I was standing at that spot. But he went and then knelt down and started praying. Right from the time he came out of the car, he was praying. But I don't know exactly what words was he talking to God about. And then he went and knelt down, finished his prayer, and then he lied down. Then they started shooting him. So he was lying down when they shot him. Yes. Yes. What did you do in that moment? Did you cry out? Were you silent? What, what was happening to you? Immediately, I first heard the, the first gunshot. My spirit like jumped out of me. I was like a dry stick. I, don't, I did not scream. I did not shout. I was just speechless like a dry stick. Yeah. I was like, 
is this thing happening to me? Is it a dream or a reality? I cannot tell. So I was just there speechless. And suddenly something tells me, ah, pray to God. In the process now, they came over me and was asking me, are you an infidel or a Muslim? I say, same as my husband is. So something just tell me, close your eyes and, and then begin to tell God, I'm going to meet you today. So I closed my eyes. I was praying. Lord, receive my spirit. That was what I prayed on that spot. Then suddenly, I heard a shout. Leave this woman alone. Leave this woman alone. Do I ask you to kill a woman? Leave her alone. So I heard their guns shout, bringing it down. So I opened my eyes. And that was when they stopped and said, allowed her to go. The older man said, allowed her to go. I said, no, we will not allow her to go. Uh, I would like to see what is in her bag. So that was when now they, they went into my bag and took the money that we were uh, carrying for food and fuel. When you were, you were allowed to leave at some point, obviously, uh, they had taken all of your stuff. Where did you go after you escaped? I was going, I, I was going when they let me go now. Uh, there was one car following after. They shot the driver and then the car tumbled into the river with a lot of stones there. And he was carrying a lot of children inside that car. And then they brought the children and packed it inside my car and asked me to return back to the town. Go back to the town. We are in charge of the town. Go to the general hospital and then we are going to treat these children there. Go back. So I, I now return. As I was returning, I was praying in my heart, please, Lord, Help me to escape. I don't want to go back to the town. I want to escape. Miraculously, Affordia was able to escape when some neighbors helped her into their car and drove her to a nearby village. This is powerful. Um, let's stop for a moment. You, you have experienced a lot of trauma. Yes. In fact, look, during the time, that time, I was so traumatized that I was not sleeping. For a good 30 days, I was not sleeping. I was just enter into my room and then came, come out in the morning. Do you know how many Christians were killed that day in your city? Do you know how many were shot besides your husband? Yes, I cannot tell the number precise, but I can count my neighbors that I knew they were killed. But a lot of, a lot of dead bodies were there, but just few like 10 that of my neighbors and my friends that I knew they were killed. 
And they were all Christians that were shot. Yes. When Boko Haram comes into the city, they're looking for Christians. Is that right? Yes. They were only looking for Christians. They gave the Muslims assurance that we are not looking for you. We are, we are after these Christians. When you reflect back on your husband's faith, what he did was so courageous. When you reflect on his faith, what have you learned from it? Hmm. I learned so many things. He's a man of courage, and he's a man that stands and defends the faith. In fact, I saw him as a gallant soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the, in, the, in the midst of that trouble, confusion, he did not miss his senses to answer any how question. He was precise and straight to the point. And he, in fact, surrendered his life. If it means because of that, his faith, he surrendered it to, the, to that killing. If you could speak to Americans right now, American Christians, what would you have us pray for you and also for northern Nigeria? How can we pray for you? I would like the Americans to pray for us, for God to deliver us from such cruel killings, and then for God to strengthen our faith and heal our heart from the traumas that we have gone through. Fordia, is there specific scripture that has been meaningful to you as you've been processing the pain and the and the loss of your husband yes there is you know in revelation 219 god say he knows what we are going through he knows our patience he knows our work he knows it, he knows it, he knows it. And when that scripture reflects my heart, it gives me joy because God knows what we are passing through. And in fact, he's not as, um, it is not as if it is a lost, but it is a way that God has designed it. And he is there with us. Despite the fact that these things are happening to us, he is there, he knows it. It gives courage to my heart to forge ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Your story is so powerful, and it's going to touch thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So thank you. Thank you so much. We must remember northern Nigeria and the Christians there and remember to pray. Pray for peace. Pray that God gives them boldness and strengthens them as they walk this difficult road. Wow, that is a powerful demonstration of the grace of God working mightily in time of need. Amen. And you know, it reminds me of the song that I used to sing growing up about how he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. Amen. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. 
To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. Mm. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. He gives more grace. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Please give our brethren in Nigeria more grace. Mm, Yes. Today. Amen. Amen. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He has everything under control. So look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen. 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 And may the Lord bless you as you seek him today. Maranatha. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Adoption Radio. You can reach us through our website, adoptionairfare.com. Also, please subscribe and leave us a review on the listening platform of your choice. Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Maranatha. 